Welcome to another edition of Making Money. The financial coach, Ron Hebert, is standing by, retired portfolio manager. When we do the show, Ron, we like to talk a little bit about investment strategies. We like to sometimes get a little bit technical. But we're going to start this show is a two-parter. And it's the old acronym, KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. I I can think over my life how often I've used that. I remember when I was talking to a bunch of young broadcasters before I retired, I used that and said, keep it simple. When you're asking a question, ask the question. Don't go on and on and on, as so many people seem to do these days. Get to the point, right? And it's the same thing with investing. Keep it simple. Very true. Complexity is risk. And the more complicated things get, the more variables there are to account for, the more risk there is of something going wrong. In investment parlance, that means more opportunity to be blindsided and lose a lot of money. So what we're going to try and talk about today are just simple investment strategies. Now, we've talked about dollar cost averaging, where you simply... um, Pick a mutual fund or an ETF and then add to it every month until you retire and diversify across three or four ETFs to give yourself some diversity and then at retirement start taking it out. Well, that's a very simple strategy. But there's people that want a little more than that and we're going to talk about uh, two different groups of strategies today. We're going to talk about strategies for exchange-traded funds and uh, we have uh, three or four ideas for you. And then we have strategies that we're going to cover next week for stocks. So these strategies all meet six simple criteria. They're simple to execute. They don't require a lot of time to monitor, and they don't require a great deal of expertise. Uh, They have low fees, and they're all do-it-yourself, and they provided excellent historical returns, and they have low volatility. So we try to pick strategies that tick off all the boxes and just give you some other alternatives if you're looking for a way to invest your money. And we thought this would be a good time to do this show because we are right smack in the middle of investment season. People are putting their RSP money to work and uh, coming around the, the corner is a new product called a home uh, savings plan, which we're going to be talking about here in a few weeks. So there's lots of things that uh, people have to look at right now because they've got, usually typically they've got money to invest. So we're going to talk about strategies and ways to invest your money that historically given you good returns and often returns that have been as good or better than the market has itself and are easy to execute and with low risk. So ETFs is where we're going to focus this week. The first one is the Halloween strategy. Ooh, it sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? Yeah. What, do we buy pumpkin farts? (laughs) (laughs) The strategy is simple. You buy the S&P 500 index the first trading day after Halloween and sell at the end of April. And the strategy is also uh, called sell in May and go away. And so what this strategy does is it breaks the year up into two blocks, essentially November to April and then May to October. And in November, you buy. And then in April, you sell, put your money in money market fund, wait the next six months 
and then reinvest again in November. We've talked about this before, and there's a pattern here that's been established over decades, right? This pattern, Gord, has been established for very long periods of time. And since 1961, owning stocks from November through April has brought an almost 3,000% cumulative return for the S&P 500 in inflation-adjusted terms. And if you compare this to the S&P's 500's total return over that long period of time since the early 60s, the cumulative return, if you'd uh, only invested in May to October. Um, October, what you'd have is you'd have a total return of 14%. As opposed to 3000 <laughs> As opposed to 3000 Well, I think so, I know which way I'd lean. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, um, you don't um, make money every year. As, uh, you know, this strategy doesn't work every year. In fact, the chances of working in any given year are surprisingly close to 50-50. But the returns in good years are sufficiently strong that the average return is quite impressive, even if it doesn't happen every year. So this strategy, like everything else, you have to be patient with. So, you know, on a cumulative basis, if you look at a bar chart between uh, 1970 and 2017, if you'd invested in the uh, November to April period, you'd have 6.9% annualized uh, return, then get out of the markets for the next six months. You'd only have a little over a 1% return during the May to November period. And the rationale behind this is that typically during the summer and fall, that's historically when we've had a lot of the big market drops, the crash of 87, uh, the big, huge market drops that took place in October 1929 that was the start of the Great Depression. So many of the times where investors typically will get their bell rung is um, in the summer. That, oh, yeah, yeah, late August, September, October period. And so what this strategy says, well, look, you get virtually the same performance being in the market six months a year as you do being in the market for 12 months a year over a 40 or 50 year period. But what happens if you're only in the market for six months a year, you avoid most of the downdrafts that have taken place uh, in a period where historically the market hasn't done very well anyways. So in, in, in theory, then, you'd be able to hang on to most of your money, right? You, you, you have gains. You're not going to watch them all evaporate on you. Yeah, and like I say, sometimes this, this works most of the time, but uh, it doesn't work all the time. So if you do it one year and get your bell run, well, it, this is a strategy that you're going to have to do for five or ten years. And historically, over the long term, it's worked very well. I mean, there's one uh, group of uh, researchers that have actually looked at this strategy across 114 global stock markets from 1693 to 2017. And this rule generally improves performance over a buy and hold investment strategy. And, you know, they, they use 62,000 different observations in 114 countries. And on average, they found that uh, the returns were 4% better uh, during the November to April period than the May to October period. So, you know, you look at the, the numbers and, and for a very conservative investment investor, you can buy a couple of ETFs and sit on them for six months and then move to the sidelines for the rest of the year. 
Okay, so that's the uh, the Halloween program. The next one, I like the sound of this one. It's like my <laughs> Freddie Couples, the golfer. <laughs> the quote that he had is, "Well, people tell me uh, tell me I'm lazy, and I'm really good at it." <laughs> he says, "The couch potato." Portfolio. Well, the couch potato portfolio was actually uh, developed by a financial planner, financial commentator back in 1991. And it's the simplest portfolio you could possibly have. You take a 50-50 mix. So you take an ETF that has bonds and an ETF or a, or a mutual fund that has stocks. And you buy only two funds. You put half your money in each of them. And then 12 months from now, you rebalance. So if one has gone up and the other one's gone down, you sell a little bit of the one that's gone up, put it into the one that has gone down and to the balance again. So if you really, if, if you know how to divide by two, this is the easiest portfolio that you can possibly have. And if you look at the performance between 1972 and 2021, um, your $10,000, if you put into this, would currently be about 826000 with an average return of about 9.3%. And they would have half the volatility of the market. So you're about, you're about half a percent below uh, what the S&P 500 would have done over that same period. But you've got a portfolio, frankly, which has half the volatility. Well, if you now, can make 9.3% a year, I think you're doing all right, right? Yeah, half, uh, half and one and half the other. And, of course, use ETFs. It really helps you uh, because uh, it gets your costs down a long way. Now, there's on the couch potato portfolio, this is just one example of the, the 50-50 uh, bond stock mix. It's just one example of many other couch potato portfolios. So let's say you wanted to have 40% bonds, 40% stock, 10% real estate, and 10% gold. Or, or there's a site called optimizedportfolio.com, uh, and it has hundreds of these couch potato portfolios and shows you the returns over 40 and 50 years and um, it does a lot of back testing and research and shows you what all kinds of different configurations can do. So if you're looking for a portfolio and want a little bit more diversity than just uh, a bond and stock, go to optimizeportfolio.com. They literally have dozens and dozens of these KISS portfolios where you adjust them once a year and they're made up of ETFs. And it's a great website to explore. Okay, there's another one here, the Dividend Aristocrats. And I think we might know some of these uh, these companies quite well that we've talked about over the past couple of years. Well, Dividend Aristocrat is simply a company that's listed on the S&P 500 that has increased its uh, total dividend per share annually for a minimum of 25 years. And, of course, it can't be a little company. It has to have a value of at least uh, $3 billion, and it has to trade $5 million with a stock a day. So it's classified as a blue chip. Now, this is very rarefied air. In total, there are only 65 companies that make up the dividend aristocrats. So there's a number of funds out there that you just type in U.S. Uh, S&P 500 dividend aristocrats, and it will give you uh, a whole bunch of ETFs that actually use this strategy. And if you go back to 2000, 
literally, the dividend aristocrats' total return is more than double the return that you'd get if you just bought the S&P 500. So here's another portfolio that you just, this one, you just add to on a regular basis. So instead of, of wanting to invest in, for example, the S&P 500, uh, just invest in the S&P 500 dividend aristocrats because typically they'll give you a better return and they're higher quality companies too. That's, that's keeping it pretty simple right there, Ron. There's not a lot of complication there. No, this is a very, very easy one. So just to take, you're, you're, you're picking stocks that increase their dividends every year. And generally to do that, you've got to increase your cash flow every year. So they're the literally bluest of the blue chip companies in the S&P 500 index. So it gives you an opportunity to buy very good companies that are increasing their dividends. So even if you go through uh, a spot in the markets where things aren't going too well, uh, typically, these companies are increasing their dividends, their cash flow to you. So you're still getting income and generally rising income with each passing year. So this is a very simple but effective and high-quality way uh, to invest in the U.S. market. So again, these are in e- ETFs. And the final one we want to look at is what you've titled the Bridesmaid Portfolio. Now, this one has had very big returns, but it's a little more complicated. So what you probably want to do is take some notes here and then go back. And when this uh, show is put up, uh, you might want to just repeat this section a couple of times because it's going to take one or two dry runs through before you completely understand it. But this is an ETF portfolio with a fixed allocation and you spread your money equally across seven different asset classes and rebalance once a year to make sure that they're all back to equal weight. And that's it. It consists simply of splitting your investment portfolio into seven different areas. Uh, U.S. large cap ETF, a U.S. small cap or, uh, ETF like the Russell 2000, uh, developed markets in international areas, including Europe, Australia, Far East, gold. Uh, Number five is commodities. Number six is a real estate ETF. And number seven is the 10-year treasury bond ETF. Now, there's a trick to this because what you have to do, and the reason it's called a bridesmaid portfolio Never the bride. Yeah. (laughs) But there's a twist that gives it its name, bridesmaid. Calculations show that over the past uh, 50 years, it was more profitable at the start of each year to double up on the asset class in the portfolio that performed second best in the previous 12 months. So instead of seven categories, you take the category that performed second best and you double it up. So now you have literally uh, seven categories, but you can divide it by eight. And that gives you uh, an easy way to calculate this. And if you look at this portfolio, this bridesmaid portfolio has earned you an average of 13.1% a year. And that's a staggering record that trances the S&P 500 by over 3% uh, a year. So uh, last year's bridesmaid, incidentally, uh, was uh, terrible because the REIT sector tanked. But in most years, it wins and it wins really big. So here again, this is a great strategy if you're willing to put a little bit of work in at the end of the year, because you've actually got to take 18 ETFs instead or seven ETFs and then double up on one. So it takes a little bit more calculation. But once you've got it set up and you do this, 
the returns have been very well. I mean, there's no guarantee that they'll continue in the future. But, you know, with a long-term track record like this, this is uh, probably as good as any strategy if you're trying to outperform the markets. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, like, who thought this up? <laughs> uh, you know, somebody came up with this formula, obviously, right? Well, you know, the amazing things about the market scored is that you have these big hedge funds and institutional portfolio managers. They hire all these PhDs in mathematics and they have giant research departments which look for every permutation and combination of investment strategies that will give them a leg up on their competition. So uh, what I've tried to do is some of this stuff is proprietary and you never hear about, but some of this stuff actually gets out into the market. So what we're trying to do here is we're just trying to show you a number of strategies that if you do them over the long term, uh, they've had a good track record of, of excellent performance. And these are, these are strategies that historically uh, don't require uh, your own research department with four or five PhDs in your basement hooked up uh, to um, a massive... Uh, supercomputer. <laughs> a supercomputer doing tens of thousands of permutations and combinations every day until they find one that works. So there you go. Part one of keep it simple, stupid. Not, we don't want to use that term. Just keep it simple investing second part now we've talked strictly about etfs this time around ron next week we're back we're going to look at stock strategies yes we're going to look at the same thing we're going to look at at strategies where there's a formula and generally you just plug that formula in and take the best stocks and we've got one where you if you want to be a little more active you can do monthly uh, but the others, you you simply plug the formula in once a year and then watch the results for the other 11 months as you sit back watching BNN and drinking single malt scotch. Oh, okay, well, that sounds like a plan. We're back, <laughs> back next week then with part two. And again, a reminder, uh, you can reach us through our website, letsmakemoney.ca, if you have an inquiry, a show suggestion, or a little clarification on something we might have touched on in one of the episodes. You can also reach us through cfcw.com, where you will find the show. It's called Making Money. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll join you again next week. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.